T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hour one is in the books. For overtime here on uh, 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com. No Jillian Carroll today. Just me, Chris Nocero, and my producer, Julio Sanchez. On the other side, if you missed the very, very in-depth Chiefs conversation that me Julio, me and Julio just had, Good chat, man. then uh, you can listen to that on the podcast page, 610sports.com and the radio.com app. Just Look for overtime, and you will find it there. Let's get to Julio's Web Hits. Julio's Web Hits. This first one, Chris, I uh, purposely picked out just uh, just for you. Oh, just for me? So there's a, a big game for you tonight anyways. No one else in Kansas City really cares. Yeah. No, uh, Bing, cares. Bing. Bing, Bing cares. Bing cares. Bing totally bleeping cares because we talked about it on Wednesday. We talked about it all night last night. Bing's taking his pants off of that game. He definitely is. Uh, he doesn't, actually, he doesn't wear pants. He wears shorts. So. That, that is a good call, sir. It's a great <laughs> observation. I've never seen him wear pants. I've seen him wear pants maybe. Uh, no, I've seen him wear. Like, well, outside of remotes, I've seen him wear pants maybe twice. I've not yet seen that. Yeah, twice. Like, up, he did. One of the shows that we did when we were doing uh, high school high school football Saturday a few years ago, he did he came in in jeans one time, but that was only because it was uh, there was a blizzard outside. That well, that doesn't mean anything because I've seen him wear shorts regardless if it's rain, yeah. sleet, snow. Like that's the thing is like it took that. a it took a blizzard for him to wear jeans to work. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, but tonight, big game, um, at least as far as the SEC goes, uh, LSU. At number five, Florida at number seven. Both teams playing very uh, fairly well. Not fairly well. They're both undefeated. Yeah, well, they're Florida both top ten teams, and they're both they're undefeated. undefeated. Yeah, ain't playing fairly well if you're undefeated in the top ten. It's not not true at all. Uh, games at seven o'clock tonight. Uh, but I don't know if you've seen this photo yet of uh, the tailgate at LSU, in which they have a real gator what? that they are barbecuing. Oh, and they've no. wrapped this gator. And I'm, I'm talking about a five, six-foot gator. Oh, what? That they've wrapped in bacon and are barbecuing. And These I'm not going to lie, it looks delicious. And mother- very creative, by the way. They, what? Oh, yeah. Oh, that yeah. is, I mean, I'm not like a big animal advocate or anything, but like that is disrespectful. Have you ever had gator? I've never had gator. It is delicious. I'm not uh I'm not adventurous. I know people my, say uh, everything tastes like chicken, but it's like a more clean and lean chicken. It is it's really good. Yeah, I'm not adventurous with my foods. Gator on a stick? No. That's that's a thing. I don't think I would eat that. Why not? But that is disrespectful what they're doing. That's highly me. disrespectful. Highly disrespectful. But I, I love it. I don't because as my team and those uh, those LSU fans are going to be mighty sad in about five hours, maybe six, depending on how long this game goes. They are going to be really bleeping sad when Florida, who was a 14-point 
Underdog, mind you. Yeah. Number seven in the nation. I don't know if they have the offense to stick with LSU. They got the man. defense, though. Scoring they got the, the defense. In the NCAA right First now. off, I think Joe Burrows or whatever that guy's name, I think he is uh, overrated. Um, Such a hater. I think he's overrated. He's the number one ranked offense in don't the country. Care. Overrated. How is that overrated? I think he's overrated. Uh, I, I, I think that he's going to get exposed tonight. By Florida. Florida has the best defense in the nation. I don't care what the statistics say, though that they're pretty close with the statistics, mind you. Best in the SEC by far. They just absolutely embarrassed Auburn. Like, Auburn came in. They came into Ben Hill Griffin Stadium last Saturday, and they just got slapped all over that stadium. Offense couldn't do a damn thing. That's what's going to happen. This time, though, in Baton Rouge, LSU think they're going to come out there and get a win. 14-point favorites, even though they're only two. They're only ranked Two positions higher than Florida. Watch that upset happen and watch a lot of sad LSU fans go back home, back to the swamp, because they are uh they are very they're gonna be very, very disappointed at the performance of Joe Burroughs, who I think is a little overrated. Jalen Hurts should, should win the high. Are you done with your rant? I yeah, swear, you're the most negative person I've I've ever met. The only thing I've ever seen you positive about is damn Florida Gators. And that's I'm positive that's about Goku. That's, well, that's, that's true, too. Jillian would have loved that throwing. She would have uh, been pissed. Like, moving, oh, Goku. <laughs> moving on. Uh, on Thursday Night Football, Rob Gronkowski made his much-anticipated debut as an analyst. Um, we're all looking forward to his analysis of NFL Who is this games. again? Say it again. Rob Gronkowski. Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, yeah. I did. On Fox. I, uh, I didn't get to see that. So uh, we can all look forward to, uh, to gems like this. First off, he calls himself the squirrel. You want to know why he calls himself the squirrel? Because he is a squirrel. He's furry. He's furry. He's cute. He's elusive. He's feisty. And most importantly, whenever he gets a chance, he gets that nut. <laughs> Talking about Julian Edelman. That's the type of analysis we can expect from Gronk. Gronk should be, uh, he should be in the booth with Jim Tessitore on Monday Night Football instead of Booger. I don't like Booger McFarlane. I'm not. A, I'm not. As, I, I like can't him stand at first, but now it's his. Like I like him when he's doing the analysis stuff on uh, on Sports Center. I can't stand him when he's doing play by play. I mean, his name is Booger. Commentator. I mean, come on. Nah, I mean, you can work around that. Like, no, you can't. Yeah, you work Booger. around that. I just. I. He talks too much. He talks too much, and he doesn't say a lot of interesting things. So yeah, get someone like Gronk. Somebody needs to give Gronk a chance because like. CBS gave uh, they gave Tony Romo a chance. And Tony Romo is the he's the best color commentator in the game by Love far. Romo. He's so amazing. Somebody give Gronk a chance. Let him go out there and There's spew these analysis wise. We need to hear from. But Gronk. that's the thing Aside that works the, is that he's just going to say stupid things and it's going to be hilarious. That's not analysis. But that's what I want. I don't want bland bore. I don't want he's Dan Fouts. I don't want Dan Fouts with his Chiefs blasphemy Troy and pro charger bias. I like Troy Aikman, but I do Troy. he says stupid things every now and then. But like, I want to see Gronk. Always looks high. I want to. Yeah, he does. I want to see Gronk out there just saying the stupidest things possible for That's my what entertainment. You're get. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> More Gronk. Somebody sign this man and and put him in the booth because I need that entertainment in my life. What's next? Padres. Jacob Nix kicked, tased, and rested after breaking into a stranger's do- doggy door. <laughs> So this is via ABC 15 in San Diego. The homeowner reported to police that a man later identified as 23-year-old Jacob James Nix entered his home through a doggy door. The homeowner confronted Nix, kicking him one time in the face. Police say another man, 23-year-old Thomas Cosgrove, 
then reached through the doggy door to pull Nix out of the home. <laughs> and as the two fled, the homeowner uh, leaned out of the doggy door, so he didn't even open the dog. He didn't even open the regular door. He went through the dog door and deployed a taser, striking Nix in the back. They were later caught. I think what a couple blocks away. From it me. was like a couple blocks away. <laughs> I mean, uh, kudos to the guy for going through the dog door and tasing him. Not even taking the time to open the door. If you are trying to break into someone's house using their doggy door, you're you you're probably you're gonna get caught. Like this is the the pros know. What were they doing there? They were. I'm, I'm guessing they were under the influence. I think there's two oh, yeah, things. They're, they're probably under the influence, and they just like, hey, it'd be cool if we did this. Or it'd be like the Ryan Leaf situation where maybe they got some kind of addiction or something, and they're looking for something to sell or looking to see if there's some pills they he's can take. He's a professional baseball pitcher. I mean, he's, he's got a minor money. league. He's a minor league guy. He's got money, though. They don't make that much they don't money make down much there. But enough. No, they don't. They make money. like... In the minor leagues, they make like less than ten thousand dollars a year playing down there. Probably not hard to believe. No, they do. They do not make that much money at all playing down in the minors at all. It's a problem. That's why. That's why they have to pay. They they pay out those bonuses or whatever to a lot of their draft picks because the actual pay that they give them is garbage. It is awful. A lot of these guys who don't get those bonuses have to work other jobs outside of baseball because they can't afford to live otherwise. So. Could be that, or maybe he's got an addiction issue of some kind. But uh, if you're trying to break into someone's house via their doggy door, you're probably not good at it, and you're probably going to get caught. What's next? Much like him. Uh, Clayton Kershaw pulled a Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. And completely choked um, in trying to, to close game five out against the Nats. Um, and because of that, we get this. I'm in the parking lot of Dodger Stadium and not see if you can see or not, but I got some very angry fans who are inviting drivers to drive over Kershaw's jersey. <laughs> they got number 22 right here. They're wearing ponchos and they are inviting people to run over Kershaw's jersey. <laughs> I, I, that is getting very creative. I like it better than burning the jersey. I do, too. I do, too. I, I actually think that people should do that with Cam Irving because uh, <laughs> they should run his jersey over because of the way that he... Uh, like he they, ran over Mahomes' ankle? Yeah, like he, yeah, he ran too over. Soon? He almost ended his career. Too soon? He almost ended that whole man's career. Like, that's... No, that... If there were... I think if there were any... If there were any fans that did something like that, like after a Royals game or after a Chiefs game, I I would probably run that jersey over too. I I think you have to. I like to it better than burning point. the jersey. Man. Yeah, I think it's creative. Think it's, it's like really creative. creative, and like it's way more disrespectful than just burning the jersey because you're just laying that jersey out in the street and just letting these people just run right over it. And you know, LZ took this video and put it on his Twitter, and it's hilarious because you know Kershaw saw it. You know that. Oh, he definitely. Oh, that had to hurt. That has oh, to yeah. hurt your feelings. Like that. That's because that is that's high level disrespect. That'd be like you know, like if you were just have like people in a line, walking up and using your jersey as like a doormat. Well, in the rest of the clip too, you hear him say he wants to not only run over, 
but back up over it and then run back over it. Yeah. And then on top of that, I do like the point that he makes at the end of the clip as well that we do not hear because it's too long of it's also saving the environment because you're not putting fumes and nastiness into the air that we're breathing by burning the jersey. Yeah. Instead, you're being environmentally conscious and just running over the jersey. Something to be said about that. I think we can uh, safely say Clayton Kershaw is uh, extremely overrated. Still a Hall of Famer. Still a Hall of Famer, uh, yeah. And he's still like the best regular season pitcher we've seen in a long time. He's the Peyton Manning. But, yeah. He's the Peyton Manning of MLB. You ain't that great if you get to the playoffs and you stop being good. Like, as nice as your numbers are during the regular season, if you get to the, the playoffs and you stop being good, you're not really that good. You know, like... So I think we can safely say that for for Kershaw now. Maybe he gets some redemption later on in his uh, in his you know towards the end of his career. But uh, right now he's he's certainly not getting it. He certainly has not been able to get it done. And I think you kind of have to question his greatness about this. Coming up next, we finally get to that Snoop story, and I tell you why KU is handing handling it perfectly. Overtime with Jillian and Chris, 610 Sports Radio. Back in here on Overtime. Here on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com, the radio.com app. I'm Christian Ocero. Julio Sanchez is also here with me doing all the real work. No Jillian Carroll this week. Was that the uh, hangover catching up to you? Yeah, it was. It was. (laughs) It was. I thought I was good. I'm actually hungry now. I need to. I'm going to. I'm trying to decide what I'm going to do, where I'm going to go for food after the show. Isn't that the worst when like you. You know you should eat and you want to be hungry after yeah. a hangover, but you can't because your stomach is so yeah. torn up. Well, I ate this I morning. I, I ate this morning. It was really good. So, like, I was like, okay, good. I'm, I think I'll be good for a while now. Uh, yeah, I, I'm really hungry right now. We still got 40 minutes in the show. So. Voice is so low right now. It's, a, it's, yeah, it's very a, sensual. Well, it's because uh, I, I was like drunk last be- night. I was drunk last night. So, you know, when you're drunk, when, you're, when, you're, when you get, when I get drunk, like, I, like, I yell a lot, talk really loud. And then what ends up happening is, is my voice gets a little raspy and it gets a, it was well, not really, it just gets, you know, it gets a little dark, deeper. And so, yeah, it's, it, I mean, I like it this way, but like to get to this point is, is, uh, is a little rough. So we got to talk about this, uh, this big, this story blew up uh, out of nowhere, which is this, uh, which is the Snoop Dogg who was, uh, you know, obviously one of the most notorious rappers that we've ever seen, was at Late Night at the Fog last weekend, I believe. And, I mean, look, it's Snoop Dogg. This is what Snoop Dogg does, and um, he's going he's gonna to go out there and he's going to be himself. He is, I mean, is, there's no shortage of people, of, of actual representations of who he is and like what he's what his performances are going to be you can listen to his music you know what it's about and KU decided they were going to have him perform at late night at the fog which is a I I think is a great idea solid I think it's a really great idea very hip yeah it's hip and like he's a 
you know, he's a cool dude. You know, he's he's a he's a name that people respect. There's not a lot of people that hate Snoop. There, there's not a lot of people that are like that. But apparently, there were a decent amount of people that were not happy with his performance, in part because they had um, these. Uh, they had a obviously he was performing his music, which is full of innuendos and curse words there's a lot of vulgarities in it but you know again that's what he does there were obvious there were uh they called them acrobatic dancers but they really were just like incognito strippers they were strippers yeah. there was there were, there were poles involved yeah there were poles but they were just acrobatic dancers is what they were called and then they had a money gun they were shooting out these fake bills but they were they they so they had all these different Aspects that you would expect at a Snoop Dogg concert. And there were some people that were taken aback by that. They were angry about that. Uh, They thought it was offensive. They thought it didn't have a a place there. And so there was some pushback. KU came out and apologized and pretended like they did not know that that was going to be uh, the kind of performance they were going to get from Snoop. And then Snoop came out. He was on, uh, I believe, Howard Stern earlier this week, and he talked about that whole performance. Here is Snoop talking about the whole situation that happened there. Wasn't there some college that recently hired you to come and play there or something or yeah. something? And then they then they freaked out and tried to throw you out I of mean, there? I mean, because I brought, you know, stripper poles and bitches. <laughs> and money guns. And yeah. You had money guns that shot out Snoop money, right? Yeah, you got a hundred dollar bills at them. <laughs> Why would people hire Snoop Dogg to come to a concert know. and then get pissed off what when he's Snoop Dogg? I would be. Yeah. Hey, but would the, be, the yeah. audience enjoyed that. Shit. I don't know of what the fuck they, they talking did. about. Who came and told you to get the fuck out of there? Nobody. What do you mean? But 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 I heard there was some sort of thing where like they were like you have to leave. They apologize for your appearance That's a and all. Lie. Is it a lie? That's a mother. I what ended up time happening? of my life? I enjoyed myself. <laughs> I, I got with the basketball teams. I just think it was more <clears throat> the publicity of of what I did. Mm-hmm. They had to cover it up, and I respect them. And I wasn't gonna put no smut on their name and say they did anything wrong because they invited me to come do what I do. When you pay for Snoop Dogg, you gonna get Snoop Dogg. Damn right, I'd be pissed if you didn't do that. No, hundred percent. Like Snoop knows the game. He knows what I this is Snoop, about. Man. I love Snoop. He's one of my favorite. He was one of my favorite uh, guys in the rap game. Like, you knew what you were getting with Snoop, and we we all know that they knew what they were getting there. And so this is just them coming out afterwards after the fact and, you know, trying to cover things up. But, like, this is something that is great for recruits because Kansas has had – I think Kansas in the recent years has had an issue with, like, this image of being, like, the place that people want to play because they haven't been able to go out there and recruit the same way that Kentucky and Duke have. So – they, they need to do something to show that, hey, people want to be in Lawrence. So that's the reason why this was important. Snoop very easily could have thrown some shade on, on Kansas. Yeah, like easily. That very yeah. easily could have. So the fact that he didn't and he took the high road, I mean, man, good for him. And at the end of the day, I think it makes Kansas look like the bad guy. They looked worse. I, I think they would have been better off just not addressing it and issuing an apology to begin with, not brought attention to what happened. They, I, I think they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot with the way they approached it and handled it. I mean, I think they did. With, I think they did it right because they 
there because there are a lot there were i mean think about this imagine if you are like from like middle of nowhere kansas pious you know very uh, you know you're you know you're not into the vulgarities and and whatnot you're not really into hip-hop like that and let's say you bring like your kid or your grandkid to late night at the fog because they're like into they're really big into KU, and you go there and they got Snoop Dogg there. He's 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 doing his songs, which aren't for kids, and he's got these quote unquote acrobatic dancers, which are just incognito strippers, and he's shooting money in this cannon or whatever. I mean, that kind of there's a lot of people in KU's fan base that fit that demographic. And you kind of, and it's not family friendly. And in sports, family friendly is usually what teams go for. So when you do something that's not family friendly, you kind of have to show that, hey, that was an oversight, that was a mistake, so that you are not angering that part of your fan base that is still important to your bottom line. Yeah, but would would this have been a subject or a topic of discussion if KU hadn't issued an apology, a, a public apology? Because from my perspective. If if fans would have complained and it would have just been some low rumblings of it, maybe some stuff on Twitter or something like that, most of us would have just been like, well, duh, it's Snoop. Like, it, it's not a big deal. But the fact that they went out of their way to apologize and make it make it so public, I think that's what drew the attention. Had they not have done that, it would have it would have just been a, a normal Snoop Dogg concert. It would have, I mean, it would have gotten out that people were pissed off about it regardless. And like, I don't even know. I don't know that if that's the case. I think that would have happened because, you, you know, like, I've, and I've said this to people before, whatever awful, terrible opinion that you want to find, uh, you know, you can find it on Twitter. And I guarantee you there are people that were angry about Snoop performing at Late Night at the Fog. It's like, well, I can't take my kids and or I can't take my grandkids or, you know, this, that, the other. Why should I have to hear that filth or see that filth? You know, things like that. That's just that's just how there some people are. They're not really into that stuff. And so they're going to find some sort of platform to complain. You're going to see like some stupid petition or whatever. Like that's just, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, there are people that were, that complain about like vulgarity from football and whatnot. Like we talked about this a few months ago when um, the FCC complaints came in about the St. Louis blues dropping F bombs all throughout their post, their celebration after the, like, that's just, you're gonna have that happen. People Live are sports, man. That's yeah. People are gonna be offended by whatever. So, like, you gotta play cake to some of them because your bottom line is those people are important for your bottom line. So I understand why KU did it. But let's be honest here. KU knew what they were getting when they when they decided they were gonna bring in Snoop. They knew exactly what was gonna happen, and they were ready to go from the very get go. So. It was a situation where they were just going to apologize afterwards to those who were offended, but it's a good move to have that in there, have have to bring Snoop in simply because of the fact that you know that it's going to be a good recruiting tool and it looks nice and it's going to get you some publicity. And like I, when I found out Snoop was going to be a late night at the fog, I was like, man, if I was a KU fan, like I'd be excited about that. You know, I'd be about that. So I can understand why they would do that. It's it, it was a good decision. And I also think they made the right choice in, after the fact, apologizing to the vocal minority who were offended by that. But let's be honest here. 
it's a great tactic to go out and have Snoop out there doing your shows, even if a few people are pissed off about it, because Snoop is still really, really cool. Coming up next, we have to talk about the we have to, we have to address the biggest elephant in the room in regarding regarding the Chiefs. That's Frank Clark. Overtime with Jillian and Chris, six ten Sports Radio. Here on Overtime with Jillian and Chris. Here on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com and the radio.com app. I'm Chris Inocero, Julio Sanchez over there playing the uh, generic music. No Jillian Carroll in this afternoon as we are coming close to putting a bow on this Saturday's live and local block of programming here on 610 Sports Radio. So, I think the biggest issue that I have with this Chiefs team is with really just Frank Clark. Like, Frank Clark right now is a problem. And I think everybody, like, I was one of the very few people that wasn't a fan of the Chiefs making the move when they made it. I did not like the fact that you were going to trade a one and other picks for a player that you would then have to immediately sign to a massive contract. Like, as good as he was in his four years in Seattle, I was like, I... For me, it's like it's not good value, and you don't see winning teams make that kind of move very often where not only you're trading draft capital, but you know a lot of draft capital, but then you're going to sign a guy to a big contract. It's one of the things that we know in sports is that the teams that continuously stay successful are the teams that underpay as many of their players as they possibly can. And it's really tough to go out and justify that kind of move on, you know, if that guy doesn't come in and, and play well. So right now, you know, Frank Clark, five-year contract, $104 million. I think like $62 million of it is guaranteed. If he gets an injury, it's like $43 million guaranteed at signing. So a lot of damn money here that he's making. And, you know, like I think he had earned that contract if you look at his production and the fact that he's still really young. So it's like he's, you know, you can get three years, you know, if you can get three years of really good production out of him, similar to what he had, had been doing in Seattle, like, okay, you know, like you can, you can justify that contract. Thus far, five games, one sack from Frank Clark. I think it might be time to worry about Frank Clark and whether or not he's going to live up to that contract. I think it's time to be a little concerned, not like hit panic button, uh, you know, flip out. Oh, you know, it's, that was terrible. What the hell was V? It's like now you're starting to have a little concern because you watch Frank Clark in those, in those first five games the Chiefs have played this year. And Frank 
just he looks like D Ford did when D Ford was like early in his career and like he'd have a, that great first step that everyone was talking about when he got drafted and as soon as he would hit that first step he didn't have any moves outside of that first step and so he would just get blocked away from the quarterback and you know he was always out of the play that's what Frank Clark looks like looks like right now he is getting i mean he is getting blocked all the way to Pluto on running plays i mean these tackles are having their way with him on running plays and on passing plays i mean he's just getting He's essentially orbiting the quarterback because he just gets pushed away and 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 he gets pushed around the quarterback and so he's never able to get a hand on the quarterback. And it's like for a guy that was so successful in Seattle, ever since he's come here, he has not really had that you know much of an impact in the passing game at all. And yeah, they're you know they're you know teams are doing some things. There's you know there's there's some chips that are happening and double teams that are happening and whatnot. But you watch him in one-on-one situations and he's still losing and still losing badly, mind you. And so I think now is the time where as a fan, you got to be a little, just a little bit worried about what Frank Clark is, is going to do. Yeah. And I'm, I am concerned a little bit, but this week really for me, um, and I know, you know listening throughout the week, you know, all our different shows that, some are more concerned about his performance than others. For me, this this week is really a make or break for me. Only, only because right, Chris Jones is out. Yeah, it's time for him to step up. You're going against a Texans offensive line that is very very suspect. Probably one of the, if not the worst, uh, in the NFL right now. I mean, one of the, them. Yeah. The, the, yeah, you know the amount of sacks they've given up. Uh, you know, as far as Deshaun Watson goes, he's lucky he's still got hands in a head. I mean, if he's, he can't, he's do, lucky his legs still work yes, properly exactly. with all these hits he's been taking. So if he can't, if he can't do something and make some noise this week, th- we really, really do have have to be concerned with his performance. I mean, look, dude, he, he he's got the biggest contract in Chiefs history. I wasn't expecting him necessarily to come out and be a world beater, you know, with a, a brand new you know defense, so many new pieces, uh, you know, a whole new system. Take some time. I understand that. But I, I really can't even think of one memorable play that, that I can really point out and say, yes, I, I can really see where he's earned that contract because I can see some streaks of greatness. I've, I've not even seen streaks of greatness in him at all. They're, they're, it's just he's just been complacent. So it's, it, this week is really a make-or-break week for me with him. The, the thing that I think has been the most disappointing about it is that uh, – Emmanuel Ogba has been better than he has Far been. Him. And that is a problem because Ogba was, I mean, he was. He got owned last game prior to that. He even still made a couple plays, but prior to that, he's he's been, man. You've heard his name quite a bit. Yeah, and it's like it's, it's disappointing because we knew that the defense was going to be the big priority in the offseason this year. And, like, on paper, this was the right move. Um Go out there, you you let your best pass rusher go because you don't want to pay him long term money, which I, I understood it. Um I personally would have seen if I could have signed I would have I would have tried to sign D Ford to some short term deal if I could, so that you don't have to part ways with him and be in a situation that they're in now where they are relying with some relying on someone that they don't know. Cause D Ford was someone that I think people really started to come around on. I know I did because I I didn't I did I hated I did not like the D Ford pick. 
So you know we. I didn't either. Yeah, I, I wanted them I, to take. Uh, not a fan. I wanted them to take Bridgewater or Carr. So I was I was a little I was a little down on that. But like he he earned he earned my respect. And the way I looked at it was like, yeah, you you're getting another guy, you know, a guy from another another team or whatnot who's had a lot of success, but efficiency wise, this isn't a good deal. And what happens if he comes here and it just it doesn't work? Like chemistry wise, it just doesn't work. Like. To me, this was a this was a, a calculated risk, and right now that risk is not paying off. And I think it is time to be somewhat concerned about Frank Clark. Well, and I I don't want to hear any of this nonsense about him consistently being double teamed. And first of all, that that's not the truth. He is not necessarily consistently being no, double-teamed. not consistently. Not, Sometimes he is, but but a lot of the times he's not. He's, he's not, just getting he's blocked out of play. Plays. And and to use that as a crutch, right? You don't think Aaron Donald. Gets double teamed. Demarcus Lawrence, Darius Leonard, Von Miller. Aaron Donald gets double teamed every time That's he rushes. Saying, but but they still make plays. You still hear them making noise in the backfield. Why why can't he? That 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 for me is a soft excuse for him. Yeah, I think it is. Getting too. paid this much and look, he signed the contract. Good for him. He earned the contract. But you, by accepting that contract, you've also set that ceiling there, right? So you've set that expectation that you're going to live up to that contract. It's up to him to do so. Yeah, and I one of the things I will say though is I I like his attitude about it because he's been very open and honest about hey I'm not playing well and I need to play better and I respect that because a lot of guys would take that to heart whenever they start getting criticized in a in a meaningful way uh, like I mean hell we see like if you you know we see like um, Russell Westbrook all the time gets criticized yeah I don't like him either and he gets criticized in a meaningful way that's very fair to him. And he takes that and like you, you, any sort of good criticism you give for you give to him, he, he takes this personal offense to it, you know? So like, I, I like the fact that Frank has owned it and it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, I haven't played well. Um, I can't make any excuses. I just need to work harder so that I can, I can do better. And I, I got a lot of respect for him for that because there's a lot of guys, especially, you know, once they get that money. There's a lot of guys that once they get that money, they're you know they can't handle the expectations that come with it. And Frank, I mean, on the field he's not doing he's not he's not handling it very well. But at least his his mindset he's owning it. Yeah, he's owning he's it. owning his poor play. Yeah, not a lot of guys really do that part very well in the world of sports. So I've got a lot of respect for him for that. Coming up next with Ned Yost's retirement. Me and Julio are going to tell you about what we, what was the most, what was the biggest lasting legacy that he had here in Kansas City. Plus, we talk about who we think should replace him. Overtime with Jillian and Chris, 610 Sports Radio. Final segment of the show here on Overtime with Jillian and Chris. I'm Chris Nocero, joined by Julio Sanchez on the other side of the glass. No Jillian this afternoon as we wrap things up. If you missed any part of the show, you can go onto the radio.com app or on 610sports.com. Just go to the uh, podcast. I think No, it's on demand, and then you can listen to us for there. Just look for overtime. So... Uh, to wrap the show, we didn't get a chance to talk uh, Ned Yost because uh, they decided that the 
the Royals decided they were going to push that last Saturday game up to middle of the day because of the rain. So we didn't we did not get the chance to talk Ned Yost and his retirement. If anyone has listened to me over the years, I have been a supporter of Ned Yost. Is Ned Yost like the greatest baseball manager that we've ever seen? Nah. Like and and Here's the thing that he gets for the a, Royals. Yeah, for no, I'm just talking about baseball in general. Like, is he like? Because like a lot of people, like his reputation has always been that he is a dunce. You know, he doesn't know baseball. He doesn't. He's not good at making the managerial decisions. That was his legacy. I mean, hell, when you remember in the um, ALCS in 2014, like there was this headline that was uh, that where they called uh, Ned Yost a dunce when they were making this comparison between him and Buck Showalter when Showalter was the manager for the Orioles. Like, there was this reputation around baseball that this was a guy that uh, can't get it done, that he can't manage teams to any sort of real success. And I think that Ned Yost was actually, he was actually really, really smart because he essentially built a system where you don't really have to do a lot of thinking. Because if you notice, like 2014 and 2015, they pretty much did the same thing in every game. They pretty much had a system in place of what they were going to do in each situation. So there wasn't like, well, we're going to weigh options between these two guys in this inning. No, they knew what they were doing. And it wasn't like they're going to take a guy out so that they got a lefty facing off against um, facing off against the lefty. Like They're not thinking about that stuff. Like, they just, like, we got some really good guys in our bullpen. We've got some starters that can get it done, that can hold it, hold on, you know, hold it down for five, six innings. And then we put in our final, when we go in the final three innings, you're not going to get a run on us. No thinking. It's just like, we've got our system in place, and that's all that matters. And the 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 lineup was the same way. It was like they did not mess around with it too much. They just it was a matter of feel. It wasn't statistics that they went with. It wasn't saber metrics that they went with. Um, I mean, because like they had the Royals have a saber metrics team, and the saber metrics team saber metrics team was always telling Ned not to have Alcides Escobar lead off, and whenever Alcides was not leading off, the offense was not quite as good. It's a little bit unexplainable as to why that was the case, but. When Eski was at the top of the lineup, when he was leading off, the offense was better, and it didn't make any sense. He had a feel for it, and so he just made it so. He wasn't sitting around here worrying about numbers and stats. He was a guy that just he knew when someone was playing well, and he knew uh, how to put them in a position to, to allow them to go out and do their best and have the best impact on the team. And that's, to me, what he did better than most managers that you will find in the game today. Plus, on top of that, and this is, one of the, and this is the reason why I think Ned, at least right now, is the best coach I've ever seen for any Kansas City professional team. Because he found a way to ease the pressure off of his players and just get them to go in there and play the game and not worry about consequences. Because once that 2014 team, beat the uh you know beat the they got themselves into the playoffs and then they beat the athletics 
in that wild card game. And they essentially erased all of the the pressure and all of the, the mental obstacles that they had leading up to that playoff run. They just went out there and they just ran through the American League. And they came 90 feet away from tying game seven of the World Series and then potentially winning. And that was a team that many people thought was easily the worst team in the playoffs that year. And a team that probably shouldn't have made it in the first place. I mean, they were getting killed by the media because they didn't hit home runs. They weren't a great offensive team that year at all. I mean, they were bunting for singles. And they were constantly stealing bases because they weren't good at moving guys up using their bats. And... Like, that's, that's what they were doing. They were keep the line going because they weren't going to get doubles and you weren't going to get a whole bunch of, uh, you weren't going to get a bunch of homers. And he trusted his players to go out there and make the right plays and the right decisions. He didn't call for bunts. The players just went up there and they knew, okay, I need to bunt here. This looks like a good situation to do it. And the fact that he trusted his players and the fact that he sent a message to his players that not only do I trust you, but I believe that you have the ability to be as good as this organization had hoped you to be. Guys like Haas, who would underperform for much of his career before that playoff run in 2014. Uh, Moose, who really didn't, yeah, who, who had also struggled before that playoff run, and he hadn't put together a good regular season since his rookie year. Um, you know, Kane was a guy as well that had some questions about his, his uh, batting, and then he went up there and he was in 300 in the season. So the fact that Ned was able to go out there and create this uh, this attitude and this culture where they were going to trust their players and believe in them, let them uh, make calls at their own discretion is something that I think uh, propels him above everyone else. Because at, you know it got to a point where you just trusted Ned to – to allow the players to go out there and make the right decision. He didn't micromanage. He wasn't looking over your shoulder. He was always letting the guys go out there and be professionals, be adults. And I think anybody who works under any sort of boss loves the kind of boss that's not going to sit over there and watch you do your work all the time. And they're going to trust you to go out there and, and get the job done of your own volition because they trust their they trust the fact that you are in that position for a reason, so they're going to let you go out there and do that work. So that that's, to me, my biggest memory for Ned is just him trusting his players. And it's the reason why I have the utmost respect for him. And I will not stand for any slander on Ned Yost as he, as he uh, finishes his managerial career with the Royals. As far as replacements go, uh, Matheny is probably going to get it because it seems like that's the reason why he was brought in in the first place is to stash him in the front office until Ned retired, which I kind of think that uh, that uh, Dayton probably knew, that Dayton probably knew that Ned was probably going to call it quits this year. He knew that Ned was probably leaning that way, so he was probably thinking about that, and that's the reason why he decided to stash Matheny. Um, I think it should be someone who is not going to drastically change the culture of the team. Like, one of the things you kind of worry about with Matheny is that he had a reputation for not being good with his players as far as, like, personality goes. I don't know goes. What, what kind of culture this team has right now, honestly. I, I think they're still – and they're so young, and there's still yeah. so much happening with the with the roster and, and building up the roster that they 
they don't really have an identity right now. And I think for me, while it would be nice to get, you know, a Joe Girardi or a Joe Madden or Joe that Walter, that that, that's happen. unrealistic. But I, I, per, I personally would like maybe someone a, a little bit younger, maybe like uh, like a Carlos Beltran. Or Beltran's a, already said no. Raul no. Labanya. I think he's like in on the – yeah, uh, Raul already money said talks. no too. Raul money already talks. said no too. But I think somebody like that that can maybe relate to the, the younger players and the younger roster um, – that's that's the route I think they should go. But. I'd I'd be all for uh for like one of the guys who are already managing like Grafal or somebody like that. I'd be cool with that too. I'd be good with that too. Someone yeah, familiar like, with. yeah, someone who's like in the system and like can keep the culture there because I do think they have culture. It's just you got a lot of youth. Special thanks to Julio Sanchez on the other side for holding everything down. Special thanks to you, the listener, for taking time out of your Saturday to listen to us. I am Chris Unocero, and this was Overtime here on 610 Sports Radio and the Radio.com app. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.